Thank you, worship team. Well, welcome, everyone, and those outside in the cold, <laughs> getting their coffee. That wasn't laughing at them, maybe a little. Um, but we trust you guys had a good morning this morning. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all the visitors and for coming, and thanks for all of those who haven't been here in a while, who are visiting just because we're celebrating 20 years. We thank you, and we honor you, and uh, we trust that you are all well. It was a wonderful time of worship, yeah? Really was. So today, we celebrate 20 years of kingdom ministry. So I just want to, what we're going to do is I'm going to say very few things now, five five minutes or so, then we're going to watch a slideshow, and then my dad's going to speak, and then I'm going to speak. So it's going to be a lot, but it's, hopefully we'll get, it, get through it. But I want to say that today we, we, we come to honor God and what God has done and what God has said, first and foremost. First and foremost, it's about God and about His promises and His purposes, what He said, what He promised. There's a scripture, and this I don't think will come up behind me, but there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul planted the church um, in Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians 3 it says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? Because he left Apollos there and he led the work for a bit. Who is Paul and who then is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, and he who waters is anything, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, and you are God's building. So the transference of leadership, I just feel to say this today, we have to understand it's good to honor people, but first the Lord. And we're going to honor some people today because I think it's right. You know, it's right and it's healthy to honor people. It really, really is. And... Uh, and so we're going to do that. But the transfer, transference, should I say, of leadership over the years, we have to understand it's never about the leader, ever. The West makes it about them. It's about the promises of God, the word of the Lord, what God has said, what God said he will do, and it's actually about the people. It's the, con continue, the continuity of God's purposes taking place in a region, in a heart, in a person's life, in a family, in what he wants to do. So there needs to be shepherds. It's not about the shepherds. One will come, another will come, another will come, another will come, but there's a great shepherd. And it's what he says that matters. And he will bring people so that his purposes and plans, that's it. Amen? So... I'm going to honor some pioneers. I know that many of you, we're not, many of you were not around for these days. We've grown substantially. There's a lot of people that weren't here for the early days. Um, so you may not know some of these. But Jay and Barbara Ripley, the names will come up behind me. George and Patsy Taylor, who are unfortunately not able to make it this morning. Uh, Jim and Bonnie Cryer. Jim Cryer was on the eldership here for a long time. 
Um, he has unfortunately passed, but his wife is still with us, and I was actually given the honor of doing his memorial service. He's a wonderful man, and I have a painting in my office of, uh, from him of an old man pointing the way for a young man that he gave me. Jim and Bonnie Cryer, Quinton and Michelle van Gran, we say Van Gran here, but it's actually van Gran. They were from South Africa, and, uh, and they came over. These four couples started, they were the pioneers, the founders of this church. They started, it was actually 2002, we're celebrating 20 years, because the first public service was in, 2020, in 2003, but it went a little like this. So... Uh, my parents came over in a conference uh, to, in June 2002. Early in 2002, these four couples gathered just purely by God's word, by faith, to try and establish or plan a church that honored worship in the Spirit, the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit that honored these things. And so they came to start something. They came together. Some of them moved from different parts, other states, and they came together and they started something by faith. And then in June, my mother and father came across to a conference, and uh, the couple, Quinton and Michelle, they were in my parents' church in South Africa, so they said, hey, you must meet this couple. So they met, and God gave my dad a word of knowledge for each of these couples, and they met at Jay Ripley's house here in Percival. And then on the flight on the way back, the Lord told my dad, he looked at my mother and said, they're going to phone us and ask us to lead that church. And for the next while, every time he said the word United States or America, he would break down crying. And uh, they did, and he came over in October, just him, and met with him, and then they moved here in January 20, uh, sorry, 20, in 2003. But they had already had, I think, two public services, the first time they, in a sense, met in public outside, and they were already gathered about 10 people, and uh, that was in 2003, and Dwayne and Marie, where's Marie? Marie's over here. Dwayne, unfortunately, he really should be in here, but he has actually chosen to do the kids this morning shows the value we have for them. But Duane and Marie actually came to one of those first two services before my parents even arrived. So I wonder if we could please have uh, my parents, Jane and Barbara Ripley, I think they are here. I don't see them, but I think, I'm sure they're here. Are they here? They're not here? Okay, can we have, where's Nate? Is Nate here? Nate, come up, buddy. Sorry, you are your parents today. <laughs> can we have Bonnie Cryer? She's not well, okay, could we have my parents, and Marie. Come stand up here, down there, sure. just so that people can see you. They, they, they owe you big time. <laughs> can you come up front here? Marie, come. I wish that Jay and Barbara could make it. They were here last week, and I wish that Bonnie, who of you knows Bonnie Cry? She's in our church, most of you. I've, we've honored her so many times, I bring her up, and she always shouts at me afterwards. And I say, Bonnie, look at all of this. And I say that to you guys. I know you're not your parents, but instead for your parents. Because you know it's a family call. It costs the kids. But I want to say, and Marie, I know I wish Dwayne was here, he's in there. But look at this. These were the pioneers. And we want to say thank you. We want to do, I wonder if we could give them a hand. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Yes. Yes. Good. No, stay here. Yeah.
So, I know that makes you uncomfortable, but the Bible says give, give honor to who it's due. And you know, my parents, thank you. They left their country, their family. They had $100 in their back pocket. That's it. And clothes. They came here with God's work. And they steered us for 12 years. And all of those 12 years were in a school where they set up and tore down every week. They didn't have all of this. And Marie and Dwayne drove 45 minutes multiple times a week, one way or 35 minutes, other side of rest and back and forth and raised all four kids. I'll never forget, uh, there is Ben here, Ben Kobayashi. Josh is at the back, he was two and my dad was preaching and all four of the kids would sit up front and we'd sit out some chairs. It was a very small, tiny church and, and my dad would get stern and go, you know, the Lord says, he would jump off his chair and look around, uh-oh. Uh-oh, like he's like, something's happening. So we really want to thank you and honor you. And, and Dwayne, he's in the children's church, but they've, they've, they've been around a long time. And please give this to your parents. We've honored them many times and we will continue to do so. It's right to do it. Without honor, we have no future. I'm also, yes. Could I say something? Yeah, cool. Yeah. I don't have a mic. Someone yeah. else does. I'll, I'll speak loud. So I, I think, oh, cool. No, no. <laughs> check, check. Um, I thought this would be kind of helpful. Um, obviously, Jay and Barbara, my parents, one of the founders, and I thought it would be this morning as you were talking, I just thought, um, you know, I should share something that would encourage everybody this morning. Um, my dad, before Chesapeake, now Free Life, uh, he had started another church, and this kind of goes to what I believe is the seed planting and what our purpose is here. Um, that church, ultimately, and some of the members here, I believe, um, George and Patsy were going there as well. Well, the reason why they ended up wanting to open what ended up being Chesapeake was um, there was, how do I say this? So, so at that church, and it was all good, but there wasn't agreement and letting the Holy Spirit kind of lead what was happening there. So, um, sorry, I'm kind of getting a little emotional. But so, they really felt it on their heart when there was kind of conflict there. And they said, this is not for us. And so I believe this morning I'd share with everybody that, I'm, I don't know, I'm sure that's been brought up in your guys' discussions when you found that it was when Quentin, uh, my mom and my dad, George and Patsy, that's where they said, we need to move. This is not what God wants us to do. And they wanted to create a church that was led by the Holy Spirit, led by God. And there's so many churches today that don't have that gift, don't have that privilege. And so that was to me, you know, as I grew up, I kept hearing little tidbits of why, why, why. And I think that's why. And I think that uh, honoring the original founders, it wasn't, you know, just my, it was my parents. It really wasn't me. I'm representing them this morning. So I would say to encourage everyone this morning, this church was founded really to let God lead the way, to follow God. And Ken and Michelle, I'm sure that was part of your thought process of whether we join this or not. And I thank you so much for coming over um, to lead it. And, you know, 
it's good to honor where honors do, and honors do to the founders, but also it's important for people that start something, but it's also important for people like yourselves that run something. So I think this morning I'd encourage everyone, it's great to thank and honor all the founders, and we do, but also I think there's such a privilege and a future in this church, and I think Clay and everyone that's a part of it, and we can all be a part of it. So I just thought I'd share that little background. I thought that'd be important for everybody. Awesome. Awesome. You know, can I, I'm going to embarrass Nate. Dad, you guys can take a seat. Dad, I know you guys are going to share quick. They're going to share for a few minutes, and then I'll, we can have a slideshow. First time I met Nate. Nate, can I embarrass you? Is that all right? He's secure. <laughs> we hope. No, he is. I came over in 2003, I think it was, and he uh, had been out on a, how should we say, a fun night. And, uh, and I, I was, Jay was giving me a tour through their house, and he said, that's my son. It was late in the day, and he was asleep. And, uh, and it was so funny. He said, that's my son, Nate. And uh, all I saw was like a long bedroom with a big bed, and just one arm came up. Hi. And that's, and that's how I met him. And uh, now God, God has got a hold of his heart, and it's amazing to see that each one of, their, of Jay and Barbara's children are following the Lord with all their heart. It's wonderful to see. So. Uh, you guys are going to chat to me. I'll have a slideshow. Good morning to everybody. Thank you for that. Um, you know, God has been so good to us. I could stand here literally forever and share testimonies of the goodness of God. I'm so glad, sorry, that we um, started, we finished with that, those songs on God's goodness. Because every step of the way, that is what has happened. Every detail so important, but I have but a moment. As you've heard, there were four couples who started it and gathered and all the rest of it. Um, but when they, when they asked us, oh no, they didn't ask us. When we were here and we went back, it was, it was me that said to Ken, I turned to Ken and I said, they're going to ask us to come and lead that church. I had such a knowing in my heart. And that is the goodness of God. Leaving a country with leaving family and all sorts of things, very close family. This was very hard for me. And that I was able to hold on to. I had that word. I knew that I knew that I knew. It was God who had called. So that helped establish me. Um, it's just, I, I can't explain the goodness of God. Another gift for me that God gave to me, that was like the first gift when we came here. Second gift was as we flew in, the whole place was covered with snow. From literally from New York down to here, the whole drive, everything. I had hardly seen snow. And I felt God say, like I've covered this place with snow, I'll cover you. The goodness of God. Another gift from God was team. Not only the four couples, but every person in those early days, and still now, actually. You see, God gave us team. Anybody who knows me knows I'm passionate about team. I absolutely love working in team. And when we came here, there was team. That team became home. The place came, became home later, but the team became home. And every person played a role in that. And I want to thank God for that. I want to thank God for his incredible kindness. And I also want to thank God for the privilege of us being able to hand the church over to Clayton and Jean, my son and my daughter. I don't say daughter-in-law because Jean became a daughter to me 
well long before she even really knew Clayton. She lived in our house and she became a daughter. So yeah, technically the word's daughter-in-law, but she's a daughter and Clayton's a son. You know what a privilege it is to have some, those people take the lead? Um, just a quick story or two. When Clayton was 16, we brought, um, we were coming over to a conference in America and I felt the Lord say clearly to me, you need to take your children and have a vacation. We did not have money for that. So we sold a car. Everybody thought we were foolish, but we knew that we knew it was the word of the Lord. We came over, went to the conference, and we had a wonderful vacation in America. It was at that time that a, a love for America was awakened in the heart of Chantal and Clayton. That needed to happen. And so I want to thank God for his kindness. Um, and today we see this church and how he's leading it. And I don't want to go on about that, but it's amazing. And Jen, I remember, I think they were dating. It was much later. And I think they were dating or married. I don't know. She said, spoke to me something about worship. And I looked at her and I just said, I've always known my son's going to marry a worship leader. It was like common knowledge to me. It didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that he wouldn't. But she wasn't fully leading at the time, but I knew it. And we look at what she's done. And Jen, I want to say thank you. You pay a huge price. I know you both do, but I know the price you pay. And you've got kids and you've got, you've got work and you've got kids and you're homeschooled and you've got the worship leading and you carry a huge weight. And I just want to honor you. So I'd like to... How many people get their son and their daughter being so awesome? Anyway, I also want to thank this church because it was through this church that Chantal was able to come here, my, my oldest daughter. She's an amazing woman, and they're now leading some big prayer thing at their church and doing everything, just really stepping into the goodness of God. She started the youth here many, many years ago. So thank the Lord for that. And it was also by us being here that we were able to adopt our precious Natasha, and her and Luke have done such an awesome job as well, and I want to honor them. But I don't have time to do all of that because I know that we've got to um, do much. And so I just really want to thank the Lord and his church for everything. We, and I really believed that together as Free Life Church, we are positioned we are positioned to impact the nation, the community, and nations. I believe nations are going to start to open up fairly soon now, and we're going to see nations impact, impacted by this church. And I want to honor and thank every single leader. If I could, I would go through each one of you, sharing stories and those things that we know how every one of you came through. And it has been such a beautiful journey Remember Katie when she first got saved and sharing stories with us over and over and over before they're married. It was just, it's been such a beautiful thing. Tommy and Carly walking them through their pre-marriage counseling as well and just seeing the journey and each couple I could go through. So I want to thank everybody who's on any form of leadership and any person in this church who really serves. And I know, I know it, takes, it takes a multitude. And those that even just come... I just want to thank you because we together are the Free Life team. Thank you. Good morning. When we arrived at New York, we flew into New York and I saw the snow and understand in South Africa we don't have snow. We, we just don't. 
So the first time we stopped to put gas in the car, got out and the snow was about that deep and I jumped up and down on it. Everybody looks, what's wrong with this guy? But anyway, <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> so why do we um, do what we do? Why do we take a whole Sunday morning and give thanks to the Lord? Because it's important, it's very important. And so I want to read a quick scripture. It's out of Joshua chapter 4. To say why we do what we do. Joshua chapter 4, it says this in verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, so it was God's idea, choose 12 men from among you, the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. Do this to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what are these stones? What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. That's what today is. It's a memorial of the goodness of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 7 when the Philistines were coming against the nation of Israel, they spoke to Samuel the prophet, and Samuel the prophet obviously went and sought the Lord, and then the Lord gave Israel an incredible victory. And in verse 12 it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And from that time on, the Philistines never, ever troubled Israel again during Samuel's lifetime. A memorial stone. That's what it's so important. It's to honor what God has done, to honor what he has said, to honor what has come to pass, and to honor what's still coming, because the word of the Lord has so said. And in Psalm 106, you don't have to turn there, verse 12 and 13 says, they believed his promises, they sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. It's an amazing scripture, that, unfortunately. They soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. And if you carry on reading further in Psalm 106, it says we see the unfortunate results of they soon forgot. There's no memorial. This is what happened. They did not wait for his counsel. They gave in to their cravings. They put God to the test. They began to worship something else. They forgot the God who saved them. They despised what had been given they did not believe his promises. They grumbled and moaned. They yoked themselves to the foolish. Bitterness set in. They rebelled. High places were set up in their lives. Strongholds were developed. They sacrificed their values and those they loved to the spirit of the age. And their protection was gone. Go read to Psalm 106. They cried out in their distress. And God remembered his covenant for their sake. And out of his great love, he came back to their rescue. But why did they have to go through the downward spiral? How did it start? Verse 13 says, they soon forgot what he had done. We can never forget what God has done and what he has done. When we forget what he has done, we forget his precious promises that are still to come. 
So that's why we take time to honor people and honor the Lord first and foremost. When we arrived here, I felt the Lord say, another three or four minutes, then I'll hand it to Clayton. I felt God speak to me and say, I want you to establish a church. I didn't quite know what that meant, to be honest. But I felt him say, I want you to establish the church in the spirit. In other words, establish something in the heavenlies. I can't say I knew how to go about that or what to do, but by the grace of God, he led us little by little. And then one Sunday, 12 years later, I stood up to preach. And as I stood up to preach, the Lord said to me, it is now established. And then I knew my season was done. I knew my season was done because that's what he asked me to do. Through trial and error and many mistakes to establish something in the spirit. And then uh, obviously you start saying, Lord, now what? Well, whatever the case is. And then we, we have had such the privilege of being part of what God did and what God is doing. For us, it's a privilege. I cannot express to you what a privilege it is to be part, to be part of what he's doing here. We just play a part. That's all we do. Because he's doing the work. It's not a work of man. It's a work of the Lord. It's a work of the Lord. And so I want to give thanks to one or two people or a couple of people. First of all, I want to thank those four couples that invited Michelle and I here in February of 2003. Secondly, I want to thank all the people that have ever been part of this church and all the work you've put in and all the sacrifice and all the help you've given and all the volunteer time you've given and even the finances you've given. We want to thank you. We really do. Thirdly, I want to thank the leadership past and present and the future, the leadership. I honestly do. It takes something to lead. It really does. Then I want to thank my precious wife who left her family behind. You left a dying mother behind. Yeah, she did it. And was willing to come because God had spoken. Thank you. Thank you. And then I want to honor Clayton and Jen. I want to thank you too and all the elders on this team and their wives. Clayton, I want to honor you for your courageous leadership. You've had to make some decisions that I never had to make. And I truly want to honor you and thank you for your wonderful, courageous leadership. It's a privilege to be under your leadership. But when you come to my house, I'm still boss. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I really do. I want to tell you openly, I submit to you and this leadership. It's a privilege. It really is. And then finally, but not the least, I want to thank the Lord. Above all, I want to give honor to God. God, I honor you. I thank you for the privilege of experiencing what we're experiencing. I know, like I know, this is a work that you have done. I thank you for the part that you call me to play. Thank you. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor what you're doing. Continue, 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 continue. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you.
Hi, Free Life Church. I'm so glad that we could be with you, even if it is just virtually. But congratulations on celebrating 20 years of, of ministry. You guys have done so well. We know that you've, you've weathered some storms and now you're in a completely different season of, of abundance, of, yeah. of miracles, of provision, of salvations. We absolutely love and celebrate all that God is doing among you and through you. So congratulations to Clayton and Jen and the eldership team. Well done for all that you've done. And to Ken and Michelle for, yeah. for pioneering this amazing church. So we love you guys and we celebrate with you. Yeah, as Michelle said, we so appreciate the leaders of your church. Uh, they've been people that we respect and honor. And down through the years, we've watched their lifestyle. We absolutely love the fact that Free Life was born in the spirit, in the supernatural. And you guys continue to press into God for that. We love that about you. There's so much that we appreciate about what God's done. And, we've, and we're so grateful to the Lord that out of some difficult soil, God has brought forth a flourishing plant. And we wanted to say congratulations. 20 years is a big deal. We celebrate with you with all our hearts. You're somebody as a church that you've just crept into our hearts. We appreciate you, know, and we continue to pray for you and we celebrate. We're going to be doing a little happy dance <laughs> along with you on Sunday. God bless you guys and congratulations again. Yeah, well done. Bye. Maybe stand just for one moment. I know you've been sitting for a while. And um, just that was Greg and Michelle Haswell, for those of you who don't know them. Uh, they've ministered here many times. We walk with them, and they're a wonderful couple. And um, who of you have been a part of their ministry? Yeah? A number of you. Okay. And uh, so I'm just going to quickly pray. I have 15 minutes. I will try and keep it to that. Um, and it's it really is good to honor, like my father said, but to honor the Lord and have a memorial and take a whole time to do it because it's like laying a stone. You know, actually in my office, I have a box. I think it's a box or some glass container or something. It's a lantern. That's what it is. I, I don't know. It's a square thing. You see through it. And um, we picked up stones uh, from the property that we now have purchased, which is about three or four miles from here. And that is our future. We still, we have seven acres there. It's in the middle of a process with developers that thank the Lord for Don who came along and has steered us through that. Without him, we probably would have gone into some bad waters, but we are looking at building there and we literally in the process of putting out a plan. You saw the plan at the end there, that photo. And hopefully in three or so, two or three years, we should be able to move there. But, um, but that was purchased long before when there was very small church by faith, by faith. And now look, we're all going to benefit from that. They purchased that. A lady actually saw a vision of it, drove past and said, that's the place. And they purchased it by faith. I think we were, what, 40 people at the time? A little bit more than that. By faith. Amazing. So anyway, you're all standing. Why don't you guys take a seat again? Sorry. <laughs> but now you won't fall asleep. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, again, a little bit of our history, but also look to the future. Um, there's always been a dream in my heart. Ah, boy. To see an entire uh, region, not a church or a family, a region gripped with an awareness of God. I've seen a little bit of that before, smatterings in the past. 
But I do believe it's part of what's coming. And to see a, an entire region so gripped with an awareness of God. If you've ever seen when the, the majesty, the might, the power, but the love and the holiness of God descends upon a place. And sometimes it's actually terrifying. People are gripped. It's like God arrests their attention. Come here. And in a whole entire region, God brings change. And that starts to run through a county into a nation, into a state, into a nation. I remember as a young boy, I would... Uh, sorry. I would go out into the garden <laughs> and stand on a little box and put up little things in the grass, audience, and preach. <laughs> and I would cry. Six, seven years old. <laughs> My sister would listen. <laughs> she would say, preach, you know. <laughs> Silly. But it's, it's in you, you know. And, I, and it's, I still believe that that's possible. I've had people tell me, that's a dream, but I believe that's part of what God has called this church to. I really do. Not because it's about a church, it's so that the name of Jesus can be held in high honor in our streets again. And it's not a curse word, it's the name of the living God. And um, so I want to do something, I, this is not necessarily a message, I want to read some prophetic words. I understand prophetic words, the scripture, we all know, we think we understand. We love this word, we love doctrine, the preaching of the gospel. But I want to read prophetic words that came, one last year, because then you'll see that the one that came last year, in a sense, matches ones that I'm gonna, we're going to read together, that uh, came really early, early on in the outset of the church. So we had a, um, because the words and the promises of God, as we've said many times today, is really important. You know, God gives each church a lampstand, yeah? Each church something with which to shine. They all have the gospel, they all have the scripture, and of course those things are all central. But there's specific precious promises, just like there's specific things and gifts and calls on your life. You're a body, part of the body of Christ, but you're also individual. There's a city church, but then God gives separate lampstands to each church to bring it a light to shine for God in this specific area. Very important. That's why church competition is stupid. Really, it is. So, some of the words and promises of God. Last year, we got this word. Every word that I'm about to read, please understand, these are from reputable, what I would consider prophets. These people have a ministry, some of them an international ministry. I think all of them, actually. They are well-known. They have history. They have integrity. This is not just some off-the-wall this is the real stuff. So last year, we got a word. I see small sprouts in your foundations beginning to break through the ground. And I believe there are long-awaited prayers and promises that date back to the beginning of free life that are now going to be seen. Some seeds that were sown at the beginning have been laying dormant but have never died. This is the time for them to emerge. Only a few will recognize the breakthrough, but all will be blessed by these. Then they said, this church will be known for the presence of God. That is already partly true. For the moving of God's power. 
for the revelation and the teaching, for true anointed worship, and for breakthroughs in business. We have seen so many breakthroughs in business, it astounds me. Really, it astounds me. So, I read that because that came now, but here are some of the words that came. This, I've got a whole book, and I read them. I spent two hours last night listening. I've got a lot of audio to some of the prophetic words, and my wife will tell you, I, I broke down. I ended up falling asleep in tears, listening to what God said 15, 18 years ago, 19 years ago, 20 years ago, that at the time now, like there's a word about worship. We're like, uh-huh, let me tell you, it wasn't like that then. It seemed out of left field. God is faithful. The first was we got a word, so many words, and these words that I read to you, this is maybe one of them, but every single one of these came at least three to seven, eight times, some of them, from different people, same words over and over and over, right in the beginning. So I read some of these. A base. We were called a base and a beachhead for the kingdom. This is Part of the word, <clears throat> we had that word so many times. God's making you a base. God's making you a base in your region, a beachhead in your region. There's Marie going, yep, she remembers. I see the Lord taking a pen and he is writing over the church and over the leaders and over all the hearts. And it's these words, unto the Lord. Everything that will be done will be done unto the Lord. I see him writing over the worship, the children's ministry, the teaching anointing, and over every leader's heart and over the elders' lives unto the Lord. And we heard this word so many times that this is not a work of man's hands. This is not a work of man's hands. This shall not be. We even had a lady who said, I didn't, uh, uh, Kerry Southey, who's passed an incredible prophet, she said, the Lord says that he did not plant this church because he wants another church. This is different. She kept saying it. And this is one of those. This is not a work of a man's hand. You know, I don't want to make this about a person, it's not, but I just feel in my heart to share this. When I got saved, the Lord put it on my heart to go and look up my name, Grenfell, my last name, because my dad's original name was Woodget, which is, I'm so glad it changed, but <laughs> was Woodget. He was born and then his father passed and his last name got changed when his mother got remarried. And the Lord moved my heart to go look up the coat of arms of both families. You know what the coat of arms for Woodgate means? The strength of a man's arm, what man can do. His name changed to Grenfell. You know what the coat of arms then is? John 8.32, for the truth will set you free. From what God can do to what man can do. Sorry, it was interesting. This is not a work of man's hands. This is not the idea of a man. This is not built on the strength of the arm of a man. But you are built on the will and the strength of the Lord. I did not birth this church because I needed another church. This is not to be a work of the hands of men, but of God. And God will continue and establish you as a base for the region. Those words came so many times, I cannot tell you. So when you hear the word base, we think of military which is fitting. There's the army of the Lord is part of the description of one of the types or the natures or the types of the body of Christ. Paul speaks about it. Peter speaks about it. What is a base? I'll just read this to you. I don't think it's going to come up. A base is a place that provides you the necessary equipment you need to win in whatever you face. It focuses on trust, obedience, and team. To work as a team, to obey orders we don't understand to trust our commanding officers. Together, we're better. 
Military people understand that. You get an order, you obey it. Sometimes it's a need-to-know basis. Actually, probably all the time. The problem is, when the church, when you talk about the army of God and you talk about the church of the base, well-meaning people over the time, they forget that it's about the kingdom, not the church. And there's a mission in the kingdom, in the heart of God, for the kingdom of God to advance. And so they focus on the base. Let's make the best base. Let's build the best base. Let's have the best coffee. Let's have the best programs. Let's have the best dorm rooms. Let's, have, let's polish all the weapons. Let's make it look wonderful. But the general's gonna come. And when the general comes to that base, he doesn't care about all of that stuff. He has one data point in mind. How many soldiers have you equipped? How many people, how many soldiers do you have that at any moment I can send from here into the various parts of the earth that they are working in and I know that they'll be okay, they'll survive, they'll work in team, they'll follow orders, they'll function as one. How many of those? I don't care what the coffee tastes like, I don't care how they look. How many soldiers do you have? That is a base. A beachhead is completely different. A beachhead... We all know, we probably think of, you can say it, what site? Normandy, everyone. What is the difference? A beachhead is in the enemy territory and you invade it and the pioneers, all these people we've been honoring, they pay a hefty price. They first off the boat onto the beach. Most of them don't make it. And they say that when a pioneer arrives, there's nobody there. Why? Because they're the first. Every pioneer knows that. You sweat blood, tears, you get there, you arrive. I see Rosie, she's she's pioneer. They get there and then you're like, there's no one here. The Lord's like, well, what'd you expect? You're the first. Now go back and get them. And on the way back, pave the road so that they don't have to chop down the forest. And then you bring them back and they're like, they said it was hard. This is is like just going for a walk. And you wanna just bless them. You know, a pioneer, that's a beachhead. And you take enemy ground, but you have to win that beachhead. Why? Not so that you can have some territory in the name. Oh, look, we've won some territory. It doesn't really matter. You take it for one reason. So that the masses of the armies that are behind you can land in safety. And then you have an army in enemy ground. And from there you, you launch. The pioneers established a beachhead. They did, in the spirit realm. When we moved here, it was not okay in most senses to even be about the things of the spirit in this region. And we came under severe flack. Also because a lot of people did it in unhealthy ways. And so you get grouped together with, and they came under massive. But now we have a base. And we must train and equip and teach. It is incumbent upon us to do so. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. That's enemy ground. The gates of hell. That's not little gates coming against you. That's you going kicking in those doors. Saying, hey, the king is here. So, future. Um, What else? The presence...
and the glory of God. I will say this, it is in our heart, I, I'm not, I don't have details, but it is in our heart to develop schools or a training center for worship school, ministry school, how to learn, how to, learn to hear God's voice, to raise up prophets. To, this is in the Bible, but it's always been in our heart to do that, but you go according to the pace of the Lord. To have schools and, and, and buildings even to dedicate to raising up people who know God, who know his voice, can actually declare the true prophetic word of the Lord. It's never about them and so forth. It's always been in our heart to see a region worship, but that's the next one. The presence and the glory of the Lord. These words came over and over, but I put just one of them down. The Lord says, I will take you to the very, very deep waters. You will spend time and you will not spend time in the shallow waters. You will not play in the shallow waters. The Lord will take you into the deep things of God. There will be times in the presence of God where the tears will flow. We had a lady, Janie, she joined the church. And she said, it was strange to me. So I said, why? She said, why are there tissues under all the chairs? It's a church like, and by the end of that service, she was crying and crying. She said, oh, I understand. <laughs> so there will be times in the presence of the Lord where the tears will flow and the Lord will meet you and deep will continue to cry out to the deep. There will be a continued awe of the greatness of the Lord, a continued surprise waiting in my presence and extended expectation. And even though you saw my hand mightily in the past, and even though you heard my voice loud and clear, and even though I removed the veil from your eyes, get ready to be surprised again by the Lord. There will be moments in your togetherness, moments that you will say, no silver, no gold, no man could ever do this for me. Because what is better than me, says the Lord? And who could ever take my place? I will come in these moments that I have made just for you and I will give you grace to not miss these moments. I will make sure of it. And this place will be filled with my presence, says the Lord. My people are so hungry for my presence and I will surprise you again and again. The Lord will give this church the grace to remove the seeming distance between heaven and earth and people will come in and know my presence. And it's the one thing we hear more and more, but the presence of the Lord when visitors come. See the presence of the Lord. It has never been our desire to build a teaching center. The word of God is absolutely central. But it has never been our desire to build a center for teaching, to display one man's gift. Never. The church in America cannot go on like it is, just form and method, form and method. It's not working. We need the Lord. The real thing, God Almighty. We must come back to the heart of the Lord. <laughs> Constantly, always. Without the presence of the Lord, friends, we have nothing. It's in the presence of the Lord you can have the hardest of hearts. And the presence of the Lord descends upon a place and something and the tears flow. The humility suddenly comes, you go make right with that person. Suddenly you have an appreciation for God that you've never had. Suddenly you want to forgive. Suddenly you get gripped with an awareness of sin against God. And the conviction hits you and you know, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you. I need you, Lord. 
and you begin to pray and you begin to cry out. That's the presence of the Lord. And we have this one supreme value, just this one, the presence of God. It's always been our supreme value. We will hold this torch. And let me tell you, we have a heart for the poor, for the lost, for the dying, for the addicts, for the unloved, for the street ministry. We have a heart for all of that stuff. And I don't know why, and I don't know how to explain this. I'm just being blunt. But it has cost us everything, and it's taken everything to just hold this one torch. Because we've had so many well-meaning people, big names even, come across and say, God's doing stuff. If he just shortened the worship, if he just did this, if you guys would triple. And I say to them, what if that's not our goal? Then what do you mean? We... Whatever it takes, we will not let go of this one thing. Whatever it takes. Because without it, we have nothing. It's in his presence that the voice of the Lord suddenly comes and pierces the heart. That's how the prophetic is born in people. Anyway, I'm preaching. I need to read. I'll tell you, we prayed for years, for years. And I thank again my parents. We prayed for years. I remember prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and some of them were awful, dry. Beth, she was there, just crying out, God, may they never come to see a man. Never. They must come to meet with God. That was our cry for years and years and years. They must come to meet him, not people. And then two more, the worship and the true prophetic I see the Lord says that you will build me an altar of worship and your hearts will be the stones of this altar and your minds will be the mortar of this altar. That's John 4. Worship God in spirit and in truth. I see the Lord says that you will build an altar in the spirit, in the spirit and the Lord will use this altar as a platform where he will announce things that will come into the future. I see the Lord says that in the future he will use your church as a platform from where he will speak. And from here he will say things, obviously that's through people, through the prophetic, that will come into the future. It will be a platform where God will announce things and it will all be because of this altar made in your hearts, an altar of worship. I will come and use this to speak from, says the Lord. Worship and the true prophetic word. The true prophetic word... The real thing pierces hearts. The real thing encourages, strengthens, confirms, gives direction. We've seen so much of that already, and we're just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. In the last year, we've, I don't know how many prophetic words have been given by people in this body to senators, congressmen, politicians. Right now, as a result of a prophetic word, this weekend, someone is meeting with the president of another nation as a result of a prophetic word that was given over there. We just can't share all of that sometimes. But it's not about that. It's about the altar of worship. And I believe God has given us this. To build something in this region where Northern Virginia can come and worship God. I don't care what church they come from, doesn't matter even if they're part of us, not just on a Sunday, where people can come and worship the Lord in the presence of the Lord and come and meet the Lord. Worship in spirit and in truth. And then the voice of the Lord speaks and the prophetic is released. 
I tell you, friends, it's so needed in our day, but prophetic with clarity, with sanity, with integrity, and that has power to it because it is real. Do we agree on that? Lastly, I'll just say this. I won't preach into it. A house of freedom. It has been part of our DNA since day one. So many words. You will be called a house of freedom. Deliverance from oppression. Demonic oppression, mental oppression, financial oppression. Freedom. Freedom. Jesus gave three commands when he rose Lazarus from the dead. Take the stone away. That's something we do. Move the obstacles. Let people come. Second, Lazarus, come forth. That's something he does. We can't do that. To awaken the dead, whether it's in the natural or in, even in a person's heart, to awaken dreams and hopes. Thirdly, unbind him and let him go. This is a person who's been saved, made alive spiritually, we'll say. But you know how many people are saved, but they're standing bound hand and foot? Can't see but he tells us, the people, unbind him and let him go. Why? Let my people go. Why? So they can worship me. Freedom. And it's been in my parents' DNA from day one. What if we could end with some testimonies? Because before we do that, we cannot fall, even though all these things are about the Lord. And about we cannot fall into the trap that I've seen other churches that start this way, even though we've not just started, into just bless me, bless me. We have to equip. We have to strengthen. And we have to take who and what we know here out. Otherwise it becomes unhealthy. Yeah? Yeah. Is there anything you want to say before I do some testimonies? You can use this. We're married. You can get real close. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> it's hot up here, Ow. I know. Ugh, Come here, baby. It's okay. um, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm so grateful that one of the things that is in the DNA of this church, I came here 17 years ago, as Michelle said, as a young adult just looking for the Lord and for family, and the rest is history. But... Um, and a husband. No, no, there was like 30 people in the church. So um, I'm so grateful that one of the fundamental understandings built was the understanding of the kingdom of God. It was such a foreign concept to me growing up in this culture where it was just so about, hi, Devin, where it was so about me, myself, my family, there's something that is so life-changing about understanding the kingdom of God because then everything you do and everything you build has purpose. Because everything you do for the kingdom of God, it never fails. It continues on, as we've seen this morning, to the next generation and the next generation. And so I want to encourage all of us here too that what you're doing for the kingdom, that you are a part of this story, even if you've been here a few months, because they didn't build it for them, but they built it for the kingdom of God. And that is the point, is the continuity of that, is to carry that on. And everything that you've done, every seed that you've sown, every person that you have greeted, whether you've been here 15 years or five weeks, is the same story. It's a part of the 
the kingdom of God. And so as we build, I just want to remind us what we are building for and what we are building toward. It is for our children. It is for the future. What we have now is not something that was even seen by them before. And what we have now will be just the beginning of whatever our children will say whatever free life is at that point in time. And so I just want to encourage us with that because you are a part of that inheritance. And I love that story in the Bible. There's a parable about the workers and they're out all day in the field and there's a worker that's brought in late in the day and he's given the same wage. And they're like, what's up with that? That seems so unfair because that is the world's culture. You have to work for everything. But God is showing us kingdom culture in that parable. That's what Jesus came to do is show us the kingdom. And what he's saying is that every person that has come into this story over the last 20 years, that is your inheritance. You come into that same inheritance. You are not working for, making up for, and striving for the things that people have already sacrificed for. And that's just a beautiful thing to remember as we build. And I just wanted to say, I just had written this down in the last few minutes, but the word that Ken said, to that God said to you, establish in the spirit when um, Clayton was taking over the church and we were praying through all of that, God had said to him, and you will build. And this is a season of building. And ironically, in the natural, there's been multiple buildings since then as well, and actual building projects, but it's a season of building. And so since that's still what we're in and what we're doing, I just want to encourage us to remember that we're building the kingdom. And that looks very different than building things and building our business and building our family because everything we build for the kingdom, we build like this with an open hand. We don't start ministries and do things and then it goes and dies with us, but everything we build for the kingdom lasts and we're built to be a part of something and to come alongside and be connected into. And like Clayton said, many of you have done that over your Christian life in other places and in other churches. Maybe you've landed here, but all that you've done for the kingdom still lasts and there's still testimonies and stories and people that are inheriting from those things as well. So just for us now in the future and as we go forward, let's continue to build with a kingdom heart, remembering that all that we do is for the king, that all that we do with all that has happened in the last 20 years, that we still have so much more that God has for us that we're going forward and, and to do it with that heart that it lasts for forever because it's kingdom. It's kingdom that we're building together. So I just wanted to remind us of that. Oh. All right. I know we've gone over time. Thank you for your grace. I'm going to do this one thing. I'm trusting that the children will not bust through that wall in any second. If you could stand, not, not all of you, whoa, whoa, no, sorry. If the following pertains to you here at Free Life Church, I'm going to read some stuff out, and if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand. As we go down, there's just a few things. If it's something else, raise an arm. If you run out of arms, stand on your chair, whatever. If you came to know the Lord here at Free Life Church, either you got saved, like you never knew the Lord, or you grew up in church, but Jesus became real to you here. Could you stand up, please? Amazing. If you were supernaturally healed of some physical illness, injury, or pain, or anything like that, you were healed. You were actually healed miraculously or supernaturally, whether it be something small or something big, irrelevant. If you were physically healed, could you stand up here? And we have some arms going up. 
That's good. Saved and healed. That's the gospel, baby. If you were, uh, I was going to say of something terminal, but I guess we've already covered that. If you learned the voice of the Lord here, to really tune in to the voice of the Lord, could you stand, please? Wonderful. If you received accurate prophetic ministry, which actually came to pass or impacted you in a way that changed the juncture, could you stand? If you've had family breakthrough or relational breakthrough, however the Lord did it since you've been here, could you stand? If you, you can stand on a chair if you run out of hands. If you experience miraculous provision, we've had so much of this, or business breakthroughs, could you stand? If a deep, if a deep hunger, I love it, a deep hunger for Jesus developed in a way that was not normal to you before, a hunger for the, for the things of God, for the presence of God, could you stand, please? If you were set free from anything, form of demonic oppression, you went through, <laughs> Tori, both hands, I love it. If you were set free from oppression, whether it be deliverance, mental breakthrough, the enemy was at your door and God set you free, could you stand, please? All right. Mom and Dad, can you guys come here real quick? I know, they're standing there. You guys are doing great. I just wanted to say thank you again. Look around. And I wonder if you could pray for us to close. Thank you. We could thank the Lord. Please stay standing. Please stay standing. Please stay standing. Father, I know you can see. But we want you to see your work. We want to thank you for what you've done. And we thank you that our physical eyes can see the work that you've done. We really thank you, Father. Thank you for every life that has been touched and changed. You have promised that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you that we see that happening. We give you honor, Lord. We give you praise. We thank you so much. May you continue to be honored. May your splendor continue to be displayed. May the splendor of the Lord be on display. We thank you. Turn to somebody and say, thank you. Bless you. Thank you for partnering with me. Thank you for standing together. Thank you for coming. Thank you for holding my hand. Thank you for holding my hands up. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.